Hello, this is Hal Elrod, author of the number one best-selling book, The Miracle Morning, and you are tuned in to The App Guy with Paul Kemp. The App Guy podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, The App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. The App Guy podcast. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp, and it's with my pleasure that I go around looking for some of the best guests that I can find for your benefit. So if you are an indie app developer, if you are an entrepreneur, you know, whatever your need, I can fulfill that need by getting you great guests and you can listen to their story, hear what they're up to and take inspiration from their journeys. So today, uh, I've managed to secure an interview with uh, Stefan Bilo, and he is the uh, founder and CEO of uh, Dynamo Partners. And in fact, if you just Google his name or uh, go and check out Dynamo Partners uh, on Google, then you'll see uh, all the stuff he's up to. Mobile app uh, is, is uh, I think, his middle name. So Stefan, uh, it's a warm welcome to the App Guy podcast. Thanks, Paul, for having me. It's a pleasure. So I know in the the pre-chat we just had uh, that you were in the old media and you made a switch, uh, I guess, in the middle of the 2000s there. Perhaps you can tell us uh, a little bit about yourself and uh, about that switch and then what you're up to now. Yeah, sure. Um, well, looking back now, I started in FM radio, so working for German radio stations a lot for quite a while, you know, learning what it means to broadcast cast um, and advertise and market on more or less a local level due to the fact that you know radio is mainly local especially in Germany uh, and made my move um, towards Poland when I actually got the chance to to run uh, a national radio station which was a different play compared to the local you know uh, stations I was with beforehand. Um, even though the, the the landscape at this time, this was between 2005 and 2007, was a was a rough one um, to you know make a good business out of it. So we made a call and consolidated the station and sold it off to a to a Polish media group that was uh, at the end of 2007. And more or less, I was uh, lucky to meet. Um, a German VC in the plane between Warsaw and Berlin. And we knew each other from, you know, other, you know, meetings or greetings at the at the airport. And he pitched me the idea that he has that he have met had met um, um, two mobile developers in Berlin who had the idea to to bring video files or push video files to mobile phones. Um, at a time when there was no such term as app store or smartphone. And I said, well, you know, being in old media, uh, more traditional analog uh, kind of stuff, I would be open and, you know, interested in learning more about the digital space. And I joined the team, uh, we raised money and uh, founded a company called Daily Me. Whereas nowadays you would probably immediately say, we founded a mobile app called Daily, Daily Me. As I said, 2007, um, this was pre-App Store, pre-smartphone. So I remember still all those discussions about, you know, what are we? Are we a service, an application, a, a software, or what are we? So nowadays you would basically say, 
well, we are an app, right? Because it was a service developed um, only for mobile devices, which basically uh, had a technology which worked like the Blackberry's push technology for email. So when you had chosen your TV and mobile video program at the Daily Me platform or application, we were pushing you updates for each and every episode uh, through a mechanism and technology similar to the one BlackBerry was using to push you email updates. Um, and uh, we've grown this company and, and the service to become the leading mobile TV service in Germany. Uh, still around, uh, still thriving, 12 p people based in Berlin, um, roughly a million monthly active users. It's free for the user, it's ad-funded, and basically works like a mobile VOD where you can enjoy stuff like Top Gear, Sherlock, you know, they have affiliations and content partnerships with foreign content production companies too, mainly German-speaking speaking, um, or German-language content, um, and yeah, that's how I got started in mobile. Um, so I remember well building for Symbian, building for BlackBerry, building for Windows Phone, or Windows Mobile actually at this at this point in time. Building the back end ourselves, analytics, everything you basically get off the shelf right now for free, we had to build ourselves and we learned it the hard way. But, yeah, what, uh, an what an inspirational story, uh, that, yeah, Stefan, it's amazing. It's, it was the, yeah, those were the early days, uh, so to speak, the mobile one zero days. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm really, really happy to see now the opportunities for young entrepreneurs or people who get started or indie developers that they basically can get a lot of great, great services and tools off the shelf. Stefan, so that's an awesome uh, journey they've just taken us on. But I'm going to pick up on one of the elements, which is you're now running a consultancy business. And a lot of my audience, the Appster tribe, are struggling to some extent to make money with apps purely on the sale of the app. But of course, we've got an enormous amount of talent and expertise with building apps or knowing how to market those apps, etc., and many of us could potentially set up our own consulting companies. Perhaps you can talk us through the early days of Dynamo Partners and how you ended up going about getting clients and uh, actually uh, making a business around consulting for apps. Sure. Um, the, 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 the most important part, obviously, are the, the people involved, right? So the three partners I'm with, which are Sven, Christian, and Sebastian, being based in Berlin as well as in Cologne, Germany, um, we knew each other from 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 you know the early days. In, since we were involved in various roles, uh, being either in charge of our own venture or being employed as a you know product manager or project leader or head of developer relations at various corporations so we knew each other we trusted each other we liked each other and as soon as we started each one of us you know moving out of the former job we said well there's so much demand right now for specific questions for interims roles within the mobile space there are various tasks you know along the, the value chain of the applications may it be the conceptual phase the development phase, the user acquisition part, as well as the analytical part in order to make, you know, improve the product at a later stage after launch. Um, but, but you know, we, 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 we saw that opportunity. We said, let's give it a try. We already had some established clients 
in place. So we said, let's give it a go. And what we like very, very much is, you know, to, to stay focused on mobile specific tasks and projects. One, two, we, we like to be involved um, on the operational level. So we're not only recommending certain changes or we're not giving, you know, certain, certain strategic planning advice. We also like to be involved on the implementation side of things, the execution, and therefore also participate from the success. Because, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it usually requires more than just a good thought, as we say, right? At the beginning, it requires execution, which makes a product either great or, you know, so-so. And uh, that's how we, see, how we see ourselves. That's how Dynamo Partners position, very operational, hands-on approach. Um, and across, as I said before, uh, across all kinds of industries or categories of mobile services. So we work with fitness apps, we work with news publishers, we work with um, gaming companies. Um, I work a lot with security-based utility apps. And um, I think this helps us to apply benchmark and, and best pra practice. Uh, for example, when we see a great you know, payment integration or integration of a payment solution in a game. Um, and another client of ours who might be from the publishing industry is asking us for a recommendation. We might apply this kind of things. Stefan, I'm really excited about this episode because there's so much we could talk about. And, you know, in terms of like basically trying to understand your biggest demand from your clients, uh, you talked about, uh, I guess, these things that user onboarding, Mm -hmm. uh, analytics what would you say is your biggest demand from your client base at the moment for your services right now at the moment almost every every project involves something related to retention um, not necessarily only um, you know how to retain the user from the product side but also how to measure it and a lot of companies and developers get challenged by the, the sheer amount of analytic tools out there. So to really select the one solution who might cover as much as possible, but at the same time also as specific as possible dedicated to your product, you know, um, reflecting this in a solution in the aggregation level as well as in the UI dashboard level, that's probably a, a big challenge in order to, to come up with better ways of retaining the user because everyone's suffering, you know, uh, the drop-off rate or the churn um, in its application, no matter what category you're in. So choosing the, the choosing the, 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 the analytic solution, which A, covers, covers your specific KPIs and needs, and at the same time, if you make a transition, maintain um, your your data stack from your historical data data stack and make this transition as smooth as possible. This is the biggest challenge at the moment, because new tools which are better than older ones are popping up every every month um, with richer you know richer offerings or more specific um, specific ways of of analyzing your, your your customer. But if you want to have a better tool. Make sure that you don't don't forget about the you know switching costs involved. Meaning, maintain your old data and 
make it make the new one and the old one comparable to a certain extent that's the the biggest challenge right now yeah, there's always a bigger better mousetrap out there isn't there yeah. you just can't help but jump <laughs> true, true so oh, this is great because uh, i tell you why again it's uh, about joining the, the dots from the other guest interviews and we had uh, the founder of at the everest app uh, francis mm-hmm. pedroza uh, and he was talking about retention as well being his biggest challenge. And, you know, I just wanted to appeal to, again, the Appster tribe who are listening to this, who are perhaps a little bit obsessed with the install rate and the number of installs, because what is incredibly important, and you're making us realize that, is is actually not uh, the install, but perhaps what's more important is, is keeping those people, re- retaining. And uh, do, do you have a good retention number, sort of approximate number from all the people that you work with, uh, for the one-day retention and the 30-day retention, uh, you know, in terms of, say you were to take an app as an example, uh, do you roughly know what, what would be a good one-day retention and then what would be a good 30-day retention? Well, if, if I, I, and I hear this question a lot, and it, usually the answer is it's, it depends, right, from, from what kind of app we are talking about or what kind of service we're talking about. But to give you a, a rough estimate, I would say if you... If you run on a 60 60 uh, percent retention rate for the first 24 hours, meaning that you lose only 40 percent and less, that's that's a good score, I'd say. And uh, talking about 30 day retention, if you are able to maintain 10 to 15 percent of your users, that's uh, especially for for a freemium web freemium application or a free app, um, that's a good score too. I mean, you can score always better, and we are working on that. Um, and you see also um, exceptions to this rough rule of thumb. Um, but um, in order to give you a corridor, that that might be a might be a good score. You know, Stefan, that's a huge golden nugget for all of us out there because we really do get as as they get obsessed with uh, stats and installs, and you know, it's really disheartening to build an app and spend a lot of time on an app and launch it and see all these installs and then see a huge drop off. And the best thing you can do actually, Paul, is to 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 start measuring those KPIs even in your alpha version, in your MVP, which is maybe only distributed to 100 people, friends and family. If you see that you're not coming close and you maybe lack an idea or concept of, you know, how to to to, to improve then you should rather not continue and be honest to yourself and maybe switch to another model or switch to another job or, you know, start from the scratch um, again of, of, of thinking about a new application because those early indicators are usually the ones you see later on um, being approved as soon as you launch um, beta or version one. So try to really apply analytics, try to apply a planning scenario to your very first version of the application that's that's something uh, a lot of people underestimate you know they say ah we can do the plan later let's build the product first um, but you're missing out a lot of opportunity or um, you're missing out on the on the on the hard truth that it never will fly actually that's we spend a lot of time on this show talking about a launch strategy and you're obviously a great person to ask about this i mean is it best to have a global launch or best to have a specific country launch where you're only launching in one country store on the app store, say the Apple app store, and then you can figure out, you know, some of the, the I guess, the retention issues and, and the way you're losing people. And then you can modify that before you then have a, a more of a global launch. Well, Apple would test flight 
and 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 Google with their um, um, beta beta testing environment within the Google Play Developer Console are actually recommending this kind of you know uh, one step or two step approach, launching your app in a in a closed environment um, that could be a specific country first, measuring, iterating, improving, um, and then you know launch it on a global scale um, is probably the best way to go. Um, so if, if, if you're now thinking about building an application or if you're right in the middle of it, make sure that your plan actually adds a bit more time for this specific phase because um, nowadays you cannot afford anymore launching a half-baked product or a you know, 0.9 version. Uh, you, will, you will get burned, you will find no acceptance among the users, uh, no support from, from you know, partners like Apple or platforms uh, you're collaborating with in order to um, promote your applications. You have to have a really convincing, great product when you launch and you want to make sure that it's the best um, there are various. So yeah, test, test, test early, test uh, in a closed beta environment and then launch one by one. I'm feeling like this is turning into a consulting session. So sorry about this, but I just, I can't help but ask you all these wonderful questions. You're really helping us here. Shoot, <laughs> no and, worry. Uh, you know, and I was just thinking in, in terms of launching, I mean, the, the clear strategy that a lot of app developers and people listening to this right now, they think I'll launch the app and then the traffic will be taken care of within the app store. So when it's in Apple or when in, within Google, uh, somehow we'll find an audience because it will get into the, the most no, new and noteworthy or it may get up the charts. And, and that strategy seems to disappoint a lot of people because it's really hard to get into the charts. And so then they fall back on search strategy. So, you know, when you people search for certain keywords, they'll come across their apps. Is there something else we could be doing, like building up an engaged audience prior to the launch, for example, and, and you know, like, like strategies such as Mailbox used, where they collected emails before, before they actually launched? Should we be doing that? Absolutely. I mean, organic growth is the first pillar of success, right? I mean, you can raise a lot of money or ask your bank and, you know, do paid user acquisition. But what you should realize is that there are so many ways of building up a a user base through organic if you do it right and if you start early on. Um, just to mention a few, I mean, a landing page obviously optimized uh, for the web as, as well as for mobile devices is, is a great, great tool. You just mentioned, you know, collecting emails. There are, <clears throat> there are LinkedIn and Facebook groups where people basically are open to test your, your uh, application early on. So you recruit your your pool of beta testers, which later on will probably turn into real users at start, um, try to utilize from that. Social is great. Um, I love the example, if I can mention that, us two uh, with Monument, Monument Valley, great, great game. I think they started a year prior launch, um, you know, publishing bits and pieces, some little snapshots, some preview, sneak peek videos and pictures on on various social channels to promote the game, to raise awareness, to collect and convert people into an email list, uh, which they utilized for launch. You can talk to bloggers early on, you can talk to PR people or review sites um, to raise awareness prior launch. Those are all the things you want to do. Um, a, a great new player in that field um, is actually a 
platform called Product Hunt. It's, oh yes, uh, I think it, we've yep. heard about that in one of the. Yeah, that's great. Yes, ProductHunt.co um, by Ryan Hoover, a great entrepreneur who has taken on this this kind of issue for products to get early visibility um, in a really smart way because people vote up uh, certain products uh, and those products can be apps too. So you know, get your get your mind around whom you can talk to at an early stage prior launch. And then align all those activities towards the big day, right? The D day when you when you pull the trigger and launch the application um, to rally the supporters, to engage with your community and let them know that your your app is live. Um, you will see the traction immediately. Best case, you've spoken to Apple and Google prior to the launch. Uh, and they are featuring you. It's worth to try, meet them at the conferences, meet them at the developer meetups. Um, or write them an email, and then do smart paid acquisition um, to to amplify that 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 early traction. Well, Stefan, before we bring this to a close, I do need to ask a couple of things that we love to ask guests. One is that do you happen to have an app idea that you can share with us? If you don't, we got another way of fleshing out an idea from you. But if you do have one, that would be great to share it with us. I have this idea since a couple of years. Um, Never made it further than the idea stage. I'm more than happy to share. Um, if anyone is working currently on a location-based insurance application, where I basically insure my bike or I don't know what, my, my travel luggage, uh, within a certain proximity, uh, I'm more than happy to talk to this person. That is an amazing idea. So apps to tribe, uh, you're, you, there you go. You have an opportunity now to build an insurance uh, uh, app that is based on location. And of course, so what you're you're saying is that, for example, if my bike goes outside of the uh, geofence, then it becomes uninsured. But if it's retained within the, uh, the I guess, the sort of rate, radius of the uh, GPS, then then it's insured. And, and of course, that would be great because then you could look at the theft rates of bikes in certain areas. And uh, then uh, I guess with the higher risk areas, you can charge more and with the lower risk areas, you can charge less. Absolutely. That's the way, way it could work. Imagine yourself going out to a party, <clears throat> taking your bike and staying overnight at a friend's place, crashing there on the couch. Uh, and your, your expensive bike is downstairs, locked, of course, but uh, you want to add a another security level for i don't know another 24 hours you just ensure it with the you know snap snap of an app <laughs> oh yeah of course that what a great idea uh, wonderful and of course that 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 uh, cannot just be for insurance it can be for a lot of different things and uh, you know it actually reminds me of a chat we had with um the the founder of dash and uh, he was mm -hmm. putting his uh he was putting his um apps into the car cars through the obd2 port and he was talking about um, uh, geofencing the insurance for cars yeah uh, yeah so lots of interesting ideas uh, because why should we be all put together in one country when we you know around the country there's lots of different crime levels and insurance risks and uh, then you know we could be insuring for just specific locations fantastic stefan the other thing we like to ask you is uh, your favorite app and it may well rather than your favorite app maybe one that you can think of that maybe we haven't come across before that you tend to use and i know that you're 
<laughs> you're on your iPad right now. So um, it might be a little bit hard to get to it. But can you think off the top of your head an app that you tend to use that you think will benefit from? Um, I can think of an ebook I'm currently reading. Actually, it's not live yet, but definitely something I would recommend for every mobile entrepreneur. Um, I had a great opportunity to work with Halo, the, you know, um, the game. No, no, no. The, the, the Halo, the, the, the um, Black Cap application based out of London in the early days. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You hail a cap basically with your application. And their head of product, George Berkowski, um, is currently writing a book or about to publish actually the book, which is called The Billion Dollar App. And I'm reading, I'm reading the script and it's a, it's a, it's a great, great, you know, um, collection of what it makes to build the next billion dollar app. And I definitely, uh, recommend to, to look out for this, this, this book should be released in fall this year. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's something I'm into, uh, right now. Okay. So if you want the links to that, I suggest that you go to theappguy.co and search for the episode. Uh, it's 141 Stefan Bielo, and uh, you'll find links to this and other things that we've mentioned in the show. So Stefan, it uh, just leaves me to say that we, we'd love to know, you know, do you have any final guidance uh, for, for us um, with regards to you know, what would be your, your, sort of takeaway comment to your parting advice to us as, as app builders? Well, that's a hard one, but, uh, take the opportunity. Um, the, 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 the costs of building your own business, um, haven't been any, any, anywhere cheaper than now. So it's, it's really, really, it does not involve a big budget, to build your own business. If you have a good idea, a great team and um, a passion about the execution. So um, don't be afraid that building your own business and destiny costs a lot. Um, if you're great, if, if, if you want, if you, if you want to scale it, obviously you have to look for maybe some additional financial resources, but um, just to start a business, and I'm talking not about like getting, you know, millions of millions of VC funding, but getting a business off the ground, which, you know, brings food to the table for, I don't know, three, four, five families. It's it's a great business. It's a success. And um, it's, it has has never been a great a better time to, to, to start such thing um, as of today. Well, there you go. That's inspiring to hear that it's a great, the one of the best times we can think about starting. And of course, you were there in the early days. So, <laughs> uh, you know, Stefan, how can we best connect with you and reach out to you? Um, I mean, dynamopartners.com is obviously uh, where you find all my contacts. I'm pretty active on Twitter. So my handle is Stefan Bilau, S-T-E-F-A-N-B-I-E-L-A-U. Um, and I reply and answer all the questions there. Wonderful. Well, Stefan, it's been a real pleasure and a joy to chat with you through your journey. You've Likewise. inspired me and you, I'm sure you inspire the rest of the apps to drive. Thanks for joining us today and, and all the best with Dynamo Partners. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. If you want to be a guest on the show or suggest someone, then please send an email to info at onemob.com. The App Guy Podcast. 